Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. How many times a day do you think, if only I had $10,000 to pay off my credit card debts and get back to square one? Or, if only my husband hadn't died so young? Or, if only I were three inches taller and my waist was three inches smaller? How many times do you say with regret, if only I had gotten an A instead of a B on that test? Or, I wish I had learned a foreign language as a child. Or, if only I had made that winning play for the championship. Or, I wish I could get this house clean and organized once and for all. Or maybe, I sure wish I could sing better. How many times a day do you think, if only we had better leaders in our church and in our government? Or, if only we had a few more people here to help carry the load? Or, why can't we find a single large donor to take away the financial strain on the congregation? Then life would be good, and you could go about your life as you desire, right? How many times a day do you survey your life and find it insufficient or unsatisfying? How many times do you add up your debts, tack on a nice chunk of dollars for a dream vacation, and maybe a tiny pittance for your church contribution, and you pray either consciously or subconsciously, Oh God, give me this much money in a windfall and it will be sufficient. I won't make the same mistakes again. Maybe I should ask, how many times an hour do you think like that? For no one's life is free of dissatisfactions or regrets. Repent of your regrets. Repent of your fears. Repent of your selfishness. God is good. He has not forgotten you. He knows what you need, what I need what the church needs, and what the world needs. He also knows what you don't need and what would be harmful. The apostles sat in the upper room on the night of the betrayal. Washed by their loving master, their feet were clean. And thanks to him speaking his word, so were their hearts. The Lord had given them his body and his blood for the remission of all of their sins. But then St. Philip, still in the flesh, still subject to its temptations, said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Poor Philip. He's no better than we are. He's deluded and confused. Show us the Father, he says. That is what we need. Philip doesn't know what he's asking. His discontent with seeing just the sun is obvious. He considers his current situation insufficient. Philip wants something more than Jesus. It is blasphemy. 
And that's exactly where the devil wants him. The problem is not that Philip is truly lacking anything. The problem is that Philip is still suffering in this fallen world, still looking to have the world shaped into an image that he'd be more comfortable and more satisfied with. He's frustrated, and he's tired, and maybe he's even a little bit afraid. He wants his past to go away. He wants temptation to stop. Philip wants that emotional and that spiritual high at the feeding of the 5,000 or in the telling of the parables, that rush that he first had when he came to believe in Jesus as the Son of God. He wants that to go on and on and never to end. He wants to go to the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John. But instead, Philip has to go to Gethsemane first and face his own inadequacies. Philip has to wait for Easter evening with no more proof that it will come than the testimony of the prophets and the miracles that Jesus had performed. Philip's frustration is not completely wrong. It was something akin to this frustration with a broken world that moved our Lord to the compassion that raised Lazarus from the dead, fed the multitudes, healed the sick, and cast out demons. And it was also something similar to this that caused him to weep over Jerusalem and to drive out the money changers. But in that upper room that evening, St. Philip, although he was fully forgiven in Christ, was not yet complete in his sanctification. So Philip wrongly blamed God for his dissatisfaction. He thought that God was somehow holding out on him. He even came up with his own plan on what God should do or could do to make it right. Show us the Father, he asked. Philip was dissatisfied with just Jesus. And here's the great irony. Philip was already seeing the Father. And here's the even greater sadness. Philip didn't yet believe it. What God had done and is doing in Christ is more than sufficient for Philip. It is fully sufficient for Philip's sins, for all of his doubts and his concerns and his worries, and for all his inadequacies and his failures and his regrets. What Philip was not yet willing to do, that is, to trust in the goodness of the Lord and his promise to make all things new, Jesus was willing to do. And Jesus' willingness to die, to go as a lamb to the slaughter, to turn the other cheek, to take on the guilt of guilty men who reviled him, that is completely sufficient for Philip. And it's fully adequate for you. Jesus' willingness to die, to be the sacrifice for sins, to restore us once again to the Father, is how the Father is shown and is known to us. It is sufficient to pay the ransom, to defeat the devil, and to open heaven itself to you. Painful as it was to witness, even from afar, Philip needed Gethsemane and the trial. Philip needed to see Jesus die 
and while yet in the flesh, he even needed his own failure and his own shame. He needed to experience all of that before Easter, before the giving of the peace and the breathing of the Holy Spirit. This is what was both good and best for him. It was sufficient to make him both a saint and an apostle, to be part of that foundation of the church which is built upon Jesus Christ. So all of those things that you want in your life, honor and respect, fame and fortune, physical pleasure and a life of leisure, even health and intellect, all of these things are found in the sun. But they are not found in the way that you might first think, and certainly not in the way of our fallen wants. For all of these things, all of your heart's truest desires, are not found in material gifts and rewards, but in faith. In faith comes perfect peace and patience in the face of sinful dissatisfaction. Whatever is asked according to the Father's will and asked in Jesus' name comes true in his death and resurrection, in submission to his word and in the hope of all of his goodness and his promises. All of these things he has done for us. All these things he is still doing. And all of these things he will do for you and for me now and for eternity. Thus he sends the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit glorifies him in blessing you, in forgiving and reviving you, in showing you the Father in the crucified and risen Son. So do not be afraid to ask for the things of this earth. Go ahead, pray for that winning lottery ticket. Pray for your team to win the game. Pray that you may get good grades and that the pretty girl or the handsome boy might like you. Go ahead. Pray without fear. Your father will not fail you. He will not only not give you a snake if you ask for bread. He will also not give you a snake even if you, in ignorance or foolishness, ask for a snake. He loves you and your prayers please him. Whatever you ask according to his will, whatever you ask in Jesus' name, he will give you. And it will be good. More than good, really. It will be absolutely perfect for you. And you will be glad. You may still have to go to Gethsemane, to the Praetorium, to Calvary, and to the tomb. But soon, your own Easter will come. Your sanctification will then be just as full as that of St. Philip, as full as that of all the apostles and martyrs and prophets and saints who have gone before you and who even now pray for you. And you will then see the Father in the Son, by the Spirit, without doubt, without sorrow, and without regret. In Jesus' holy name, amen.